0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to niche on niche. Uh I would want to say uh title pending, but I think um I think yeah, I think it's official. Uh we we're just going with the flow with it, but thank you for uh pressing on the app. Thank you for uh clicking on links. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to us today, whether it's in the evening, maybe it's in the morning. Uh, We really do appreciate it. But once again, my name is Shane. I'm one of your co-hosts.
1: My name is Rachel. I'm
0: Derek. And we make niche on niche. So thank you again for tuning in. Um, But yeah, I think everyone wants to know how's uh, planning the wedding going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is going. (laughs)
2: Slowly but surely.
1: Yeah. I think it's just hard for us because we're so busy during the weekday Mm. So even if we do have conversations on, during the weekdays about wedding, it's like really small things like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Yeah. But then it's really on the weekends when we start hashing things out, yeah. like having sit downs, contacting venues, contacting other like vendors, emailing them and all that kind of stuff. So it's It's a strange flow of things, I gotta say. I think
2: also because we started so quickly because we went from zero to a hundred so quick and like we're getting married, we're doing this, we're doing that. We're looking at venues. and then, people ask all right like when's the date and then we won't have anything any new info for like a week and then some people will keep asking us and i'm like give us a break (laughs) 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 like my mom asked me literally every single day like oh have you do you have a date book do you have a date book because we have um an appointment tomorrow that we've had for the past like a week um to go visit a venue But every day this week, she's like, oh, did you book it yet? I'm like, we're going to go visit this Saturday. I'll let you know after that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's also interesting because, like, yeah, we're kind of moving really quickly when it comes to all of these things. It also is because things happen to line up so well for us, so perfectly. Like this timeline that we have in our minds for like when the wedding might happen mm. like a lot of things are just falling into place and we oh. feel comfortable just moving forward with everything instead of like waiting it out weighing our options because honestly like our first choices for everything like my wedding dress included mm-hmm. i know to the listeners out there it's shocking i already have my wedding <laughs> dress um it's things are just falling in place so we're just going with the flow we're mm. going with it
2: but you know what we do have is a pastor hey, what? You have an <laughs> Thank you, yeah number Shane one for you can book me
0: for all your you know all, <laughs> all your weddings. wedding
2: needs pandemic you're, weddings. A, you're officially our family pastor now i hope you know, <laughs> I know.
0: my my contract expires after this one <laughs> with, with uh stanley and estelle <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're gonna renew their vows next year right oh
0: <laughs> I know. I think. I think that's the kicker right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Make it happen.
0: Yeah, I think it's what's funny. If uh, what's funny though, I think for all the listeners out there, if you didn't know, there, there's times where Rachel and Derek would talk about you know the future and about like getting married, and Rachel would always say like, "Oh yeah, we won't have like a big, we won't have like a wedding, or like a wedding or like a big wedding. I think we'll be fine just uh you know going to you know city hall or something like that." <laughs> and then I remember what the week after they got engaged. Rachel was like, "Yeah, I got my dress. Oh, we're going to go look at venues and stuff like that." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Derek, she tricked you." <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: still going to be a teeny tiny one. City Hall's not even open. They won't yeah. let us get married there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess
1: That's my excuse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, but we all sure. know we all know that you actually really wanted uh-huh. a wedding. You wanted the experience. Even though you denied it every time we would bring it up, like, are you sure you wouldn't want the experience? You're like, you know, I would just love it if we just did it at City Hall. <laughs> but the cat's out of the bag.
1: I guess so. Mm-hmm. Meow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fine. Meow. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. I've Yikes. been doing a lot of meowing at work these days. It's just part of my everyday vernacular now.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> well, there you have it. Well, I think that's uh, that's. That's another episode, yes, to, another uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. to discuss. We'll, we'll the, unpack
2: that
1: okay.
0: later. What yeah. is
1: she up to? <laughs>
0: yeah. The Art of Meowing
1: yeah.
0: by Rachel. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys for uh tuning in. Today's episode is um a little, I guess, more intimate because we do not have a guest today. Uh we're actually gonna be focusing on one of our co-hosts, which is uh Derek. Hey. Yeah, and so um before we get into it, uh I think cause me and Rachel or Rachel and I are you know, for the most part, close to Derek, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are close to Derek. Yeah. Uh, so, Rachel, I'll, I'll I'll share too. But is there, do you have like earliest memory of Derek or a fondest memory of Derek that you want to share?
1: The earliest memory I have of Derek was when I first moved to the states. So this was 2001 when we were five. So we used to play together, like we played puppy together. So our what is wait
0: wait wait, wait. what is puppy? Like you guys were puppies? We were puppies. So I used to
2: have two dogs named Toby and Daisy, and so I would pretend I was Toby, and she would pretend she was Daisy, and wow. we would, her sister Jenna would like be our like owner.
1: Yeah, your sister too. Both our yeah. sisters were our owners. Yeah.
0: And we We wow. like run around the church. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Keep going about this. Um, but
1: i think like at this point i don't really have a recollection of it these are like stories that our sisters have been telling us mm. so i think that's real cute i mean because when we, when people ask us well, how did you two meet i'm yeah. like well it's all started when we were five years old
2: mm. <laughs> i guess our sisters
0: hooked us yeah, up yeah our
2: sisters <laughs> up, I guess <laughs> that was
0: the plan huh who knew playing puppies yeah. would lead to uh covid marriage um, covid marriage <laughs> That is that is a story I was not expecting. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's real cute. I know
0: playing puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think for me, um, what's funny is you know, for those who didn't know Derek before he hit puberty, Derek was <laughs> a very quiet, <laughs> awkward, chubby kid, and for both of us, um, because you know we went, you know before our church was Silicon Valley, we were part of we were in the Mountain View EM. Mm-hmm. And because both of our parents were, uh, you know, well, my dad was the pastor and Derek's parents were, you know, elders or they were just helping a lot at church. We would be there Friday nights, um, you know, early and we'd be there Sabbath mornings early. And I remember every time I go into the youth, you know, the youth chapel, I always see Derek sitting at the table <laughs> and he's always there sitting there quietly. And I remember he would always have his his Bible and his in his blue, uh, like, oh Bible-carrying so cool. case. Yeah. Yeah, and then Derek would always have, he has, like, and he always had his phrases. Like, he would always say hi a certain way. Like, he was, like, some teddy bear or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, like, some plush teddy bear, right? Uh, he would say hi, or he would say, you know, like, Jesus as his answer for everything.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jesus um,
0: Still is. <laughs> still is. I remember there would be, like, Vespers and... People would ask Derek, like, Derek, so, like, what do you think, you know, that's happening in this text? And he's just, you know, <laughs> his awkward self. Uh, you know, I think he's just talking about Jesus. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so th- those are, that's probably one of like my earliest memories of Derek, just this very quiet, awkward uh, kid. <laughs>
1: how would you describe him now if that was him back then? How would you describe him now? What do you mean? If he was awkward <laughs> and quiet back then, <laughs> what is he now? Still awkward. What is he now? He's like,
0: like quite the opposite. Oh. He's fit and energetic and outgoing. I don't oh, know.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Always completing his rings.
1: Mm. <laughs> you
0: know? True. That true. glow up. That glow <laughs> yeah. up. You I chose know, we, wisely. <laughs> you know, we talked about James' glow and Derek also had a great glow up
2: great that's crazy to me because i remember like one distinct memory from being chubby is one i never made like the football or basketball teams until like seventh or eighth grade and when i did in seventh grade i remember there was this one drill where they had us line up from slowest to fastest i don't know why but I just remember being first in line is the slowest every single time. Oh, man. So I feel like deep down inside, I, I still feel like that guy.
0: <laughs> that That's what keeps you motivated, huh? Yeah, must be. Must be. <laughs> and I guess speaking on that motivation or just speaking of just who you are as a person, um, which I think a lot of people know who you are, Derek, mm. um, but maybe they don't know just kind of your journey, um, you know, where you are today. You know, you've, you've traveled a lot. Mm. You've on, uh, you grew up in the church, grew up in the Adventist school system, and then switched up, going to a public university, uh, or is it public college, however you want to yeah. describe yeah. it. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing, yeah. There's um, a but, but it's
2: okay.
0: <laughs> well, we'll let the educator talk about that yeah. later, <laughs> with, with her puppy, game of puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <later>. <laughs> um, but Derek, um, I guess, you know, for all our listeners here, could you kind of just share with us, uh, you know, your journey? Of you know how you got to hear who you are now from you know awkward chubby Derek Mm -hmm. to now fit close my rings outgoing (laughs) Derek
2: yeah um so I was born in LA 1996 the year Kobe was drafted rest in peace um (laughs) and then very important very important I always remember that when I say I was born in LA um and then moves up from LA when I was three years old. So realistically, I don't really remember anything from LA. Um, I moved to San Jose and I've lived here uh, basically ever since after that. Um, grew up going to Adventist Academy, K through um, eight, Adventist High School. Um, and and then after that, I went off to LA. It was uh, That was a big decision for me because I had been in Adventist schools all my life. So deciding to go from Um, Adventist school and not to Adventist college and going to so going to UCLA was a huge turnaround definitely a big culture shock Um, because I was going from my high school which had about 150 students to UCLA which had like 40,000 people on campus I think including undergrad and grad students Um, so that was a huge transition for me and it was interesting in a lot of ways but definitely academically and spiritually i was challenged um academically i was crushed like i was not ready for that it was way too hard for me and i feel like i i wasn't prepared for that and i didn't know how to handle it um and so i didn't do very well and so i i wanted to go into medicine initially but i was like kind of trying to figure out what i wanted to do because my grades weren't that good Um, I majored in marine biology, so I thought about going there. Um, Got to study abroad in Australia, but I kind of figured out that um, spending all day running around chasing crabs wasn't really for me. I, again, was really interested in the health field. So after I graduated, I came back home here in San Jose, and I was working as an EMT for about a year. And now I'm in a post-bac program at Cal State East Bay, trying to get my grades up and apply to PA school.
1: So can you dive a little bit more into that transition from going to Adventist private school, basically your entire life, and then transitioning into one of the biggest public universities in California, UCLA, like... I'm sure at first when you got there, it was like very exciting. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was also your dream school, Mm -hmm. you know, you had all these ideas and the campus itself is so beautiful. The food is bomb diggity. Mm -hmm. So I feel like just being there in person, you have all of this, just like this grandeur in front of you and that Mm -hmm. you really learn to appreciate. And I know how much you appreciated the physical campus there. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to kind of go into that but also the struggles that you may have dealt with and how you were able to overcome it. Maybe not specifically in those moments during your four years there, but maybe these days, what sort of revelations you've been having?
2: Yeah. um, Spiritually, I feel like I didn't know what to expect. Like my parents almost made it sound like UCLA was like a heathen world outside of that (laughs) Adventist bubble. And it's like, I thought, you know, Everyone would just be crazy partying all the time, and I would be like the only Christian on campus. Um, but the most surprising thing to me was that there's a huge Christian community at UCLA. There's literally so many Christian clubs trying to flyer you on campus as you're walking to class, and that was crazy to me. And so, first week, um, I literally took flyers from every single Christian club or every honestly random club cuz I was just curious what are all these clubs? We didn't even have clubs in Antioch Academy so I'm like what are all these clubs all about? Um and so I was checking out all these different different clubs, um, checked out some of the Christian clubs and that really impressed me early on cuz I just I didn't know what Christianity was outside of Seventh-day Adventism. And in a lot of my clubs, I would see that there was people with, like, amazing spiritual lives and amazing relationships with Christ who were not Adventists and people who seem seemingly had better spiritual relationships. And I was like, I did not know this existed, you know? I thought yeah. Adventism was the only way to go. Um, I thought everything yeah. else was, like, heresy. Um, and so I explored a lot of different religions in, in UCLA, and I feel like I wasn't necessarily caught up on... Um, trying to find which religion is right or which denomination is right but i was more just um i guess trying to figure out how do i make my own relationship with god more personal and and more relevant in my life because i was you know i was having small groups with my friends we were having worships together we were having bible studies um on a public university which was crazy to me um and then i guess to answer the second part of your question um which is like kind of the struggles i went through Mm -hmm. um i feel like i was crushed very early on at ucla like my first quarter i dropped a class and i got two c's in my other classes and i was like what the heck like i'm used to get all a's everything was pretty easy for me and like i don't think i was prepared to just not even see an a on my report card that was that was crazy um and, you know, I'd always worked hard my whole life. And so I felt like, oh, you know what? Maybe my background isn't as competitive as these other people, um, but I just got to work harder and study harder. Um, and so I would try, but I feel like since my foundation wasn't good and since I also didn't really have good, efficient study techniques, like no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't keep up with my classmates. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, I got to a point where I almost felt like I, as hard as I tried, I couldn't be a good student. Like I didn't belong. Like I couldn't keep up with these other UCLA students. And I feel like I lost a lot of confidence in college at that point. Um, and for a while, I didn't really believe that I could even go into the health field. And that was kind of why I went to Australia. I want to, you know, be a marine biologist. I tried all these other things. Um, but I feel like i'm just talking so much but we love it <laughs> this is all about you Boo. that's the other thing is i'm not used to even talking about myself and so i feel like that was like oh, hey, get vulnerable part. yeah <laughs> that, that's the thing that's hard for me is it's hard for me to be vulnerable to, with people and so i think that was what would have helped me in that time is if i had shared some of my struggles with people but i think because i was so used to doing well and being a good student mm-hmm. and being like a perfect person that it was hard for me to open up about the struggles yeah. that I was having. And so these are a lot of things that I'm internalizing now as I'm older, some of the feelings that I had at UCLA. And it was hard when I would like I would come back to church and I would like see people and they'd be like, Oh, how are you doing? Like how's U C L A? And I'd be like, Man, it's like awesome. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. But it's like realistically I was really struggling and I had a hard time even telling my family or my closest friends even me even Rachel yeah I mean I would tell you that I wasn't doing all of my classes but I feel like I was dealing with a lot of stuff emotionally too that yeah. I didn't really understand
1: yeah definitely
2: yeah um and so for a while I was I was kind of lost I felt like I couldn't I couldn't do well but I was able to graduate um but Woo! my my GPA was really bad so I knew there was no way I could apply then um and so that was why when I came back I decided to just work as an EMT for a while because I was like I don't even know what I can do you know Mm -hmm. so I know I can work let me just try that and see what happens and so I worked and I was actually really good at it and my partners like me my patients like me um and I was kind of like regaining my confidence and just finding like all right I, I can do this you know yeah um and then I got into my postback program, which even getting in was kind of crazy. I was kind of surprised that that even happened. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I guess God has a plan. And I went in and I was nervous because again, like, I feel like I I still didn't feel like I had what it took to be like a good student in college. I felt like I didn't know what to do, and so I would like research all these different study methods and learn um, how to study efficiently and how to study smarter, not harder. Yes. Um, and actually it works super well and I've been doing really well in the post program Woo. it was my first time seeing A's on my report card in like a long time because my last few years at UCLA like it was either B's or C's mm-hmm. um so now like I understand that like it wasn't it's was, not that I was dumb but I felt like that at some point you know mm-hmm. but now I understand that, you know, if I work harder, I can achieve my goals. But there was yeah. a point at my time at UCLA that I really didn't believe that. Yeah. Um. And I feel like through my walk with God and through the development I made recently, that's kind of uh, something I've been working on.
1: Yeah, I think definitely what I get from like your perspective or your journey is the perception of success is just so important how we view success, how we view ourselves succeeding, what that means to us and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, in my episode, when I read about different mindsets by Carol Dweck, it's those types of expectations that we have for ourselves that can really make or break us. And I feel like, especially when we're so young and we're in this education system, we're we're pushed to think that getting straight A's is how you're successful Mm. that's how you're smart that's Mm -hmm. how you know you're smart Mm -hmm. but that's not the case that's not true Mm. you know there are so many different kinds of smart there's so many different ways to learn that a lot of times it can't be quantified by a letter grade but Mm. unfortunately our education system currently does
2: yeah and i think the other thing is i had known about the growth mindset and coral deck through you you Mm -hmm. know and you had always been inspiring confidence but i feel like it's easy to believe that when you're doing well but when you're struggling it's hard to believe that you're capable of you know whatever you set your mind to because my parents had always been so encouraging growing up And it was easy to believe that I could achieve all of my goals when I was achieving all my goals. Exactly. But when I wasn't, it was hard to understand, like, what is failure? How do I cope Mm -hmm, with this, mm you know? And how do I deal with it?
1: Exactly, because that's the opposite of success, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the way we view success and the expectations we have of success. Mm -hmm. And then the opposite of that, the failure, right? Mm -hmm. It's how do I view failure? Do I run from it? Or do I not even push myself? Or do I not even attempt to try something new because i'm afraid of failure right Mm -hmm. that's another side of a fixed mindset that doesn't get talked about a lot but Mm -hmm. it's how we view failure
2: and i think that's why i want to talk about this now and i want to be vulnerable because i feel like that's the only way to get over it is by talking about it with Mm -hmm. people and being able to actually confront your problems because before when i would just try to deal with it on my own and suck it up um it just, it wasn't working. Yeah, it you eats know? you up. Yeah, and that's something that I've been getting a lot better recently is talking it out with you and my friends and my family. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that whole idea of of not even dealing with failure, it's like the acceptance of it too, right? Yeah. Um, because I think just like you, Derek, when my first year of college, I dropped out of a class. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us, we've never... Experienced a type of failure like academic failure and so we don't know how to like um like even like respond to it Mm -hmm. right and so i think that it's like a initial shock that really can either really make it or break it for you too right or like it's like a it's a it can like stall your process or or definitely you know or whatever how you deal with it you can just you know continue on Mm -hmm. and i think that's like i think that's a huge thing too right is like uh, like acknowledging that it's okay to fail mm-hmm. right? and I think I think that's like a huge thing that maybe we don't learn or we don't teach or share yeah. with others that it's Definitely okay so. to fail mm-hmm. right because especially like before you're going to college you you're like in your mind you're in your head already thinking that you're going to like finish in four years or how long your program is yeah and then and then carry on with your life, right? Mm-hmm. Start your major or go into grad school. Like you already have, like that those years of a plan set. And I remember going into like first year of college and like I real and realizing like midway through that, like oh, like this is not realistic. I mean, it is for like a majority of people, but there are people out there who do struggle, yeah. right? And I remember being so bizarre going into a class, and there was there was a, like, majority of people are, like, first-year students, and then there's, like, four years, like, a fourth year in there. There's, like, you know, super seniors or whatnot, and I I remember in the beginning, I'm just, like, I'm, like, whoa, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, because you kind of, kind of judge, right, in the beginning, and then, like, even after that first year, or maybe, you know, at the end of your time at college, you really understand that, you know, everyone's just trying to work on themselves right yeah. yeah depending on whatever the pace and I think that's really awesome that you know on this journey of yours that you know you're able to experience it but not only just I guess sulk in it but really uh, you know grab it by the horns yeah mm-hmm. however way you want to say it yeah um but I think apart from that too you know you were mentioning briefly on your like your spiritual journey and I, I did kind of want to I guess talk about that too because I feel like like we haven't really kind of touched on spiritual journeys Mm. that much in podcasts yet Mm -hmm. or in the episodes. And I think what you were saying was kind of interesting in the fact of you're saying going into UCLA, you were so focused on or not focused, but you were all you knew was about SDAs. Yeah. Right. And, and then you were meeting other denominational Christians and you were saying like, whoa, they're like, like their way of view of God is totally different or maybe it just seems way more stronger or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then I liked what you said though, was that you were saying uh, by kind of the end of it, or, you know, you started realizing that it was on based on your personal relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of struggle with is that um, with, with church, with religion, um, they, they focus, they don't, sometimes they don't necessarily focus on their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you see a lot of people, End up leaving the church, right? Because yeah. they just church is kind of just uh, growing up. You just that's a place you go, uh, a place you learn, you have knowledge of, but you don't have a personal relationship. Mm. And uh, I just want to kind of, you know, I guess if you can share kind of like when you started realizing that, or kind of that process in realizing this relationship of Jesus that maybe you lacked, and you started finding out.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um. I think, I think in college, God definitely became more personal, um, because in high school and like in church before going to college, it was a lot more structured. It was like, okay, we'll have chapel in the mornings. We'll have Vespers, we'll have church and we'll have these things. Whereas in college, um, I did go to LAC, so I went to a church, but like, um, It's more just on you, you know, and so it's like if you want to keep your relationship with God, it's all on you. Um, It's up to you to put in the time to have devotion. It's up to you to even go out to these Christian clubs. It's up up to you to even go to church because you don't have to, you know. So that's when I first really started thinking, why am I going to church? Why am I doing these things? Why do I read the Bible? Um, And I think as I as I meditated on this more and I thought about it more, um the thing that keeps me coming back um is how personal jesus's love is like the idea that jesus loves you specifically out of everybody like he loves everybody but not just he loves a big group of people he loves you individually Mm -hmm. and being able to appreciate that and understand that takes time um and like dedication i feel like um, you don't understand that unless you really put the time in. And yeah. I think the other thing is that um, since all my friends, a lot of them were Christian, I learned that from them too as well.
1: Yeah. Mm. And I think it's interesting because Derek and I were both um, very involved with our college ministries. Mm. So as he was at his UCLA ministry, I was with San Jose State's ministry and we were both very heavily involved. Like you said, small groups every week, um, worship once, maybe even twice a week. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting when you're with a group of people your age um, have similar goals and a very similar focus when it comes to um, religion and spirituality there's a great energy that comes from it. And it's very unique. It's something that's very different from church. And it's interesting because during ministry, especially as it was like graduation season and all that kind of stuff, our ministry made it a point to say, ministry is not a church. Uh, Ministry just creates opportunities for us to grow personal relationships with God. And when we graduate, It's up to us to continue maintaining that relationship and working at it. And one way to keep at it is to find your own personal church, Mm -hmm. your home church. And I think we really took that to heart because, like Derek said, he realized church is about relationships. And I completely agree with him, like personal relationships any just like human interaction and human relationships are important, but our relationship with God is also should be at the forefront of our lives and Mm. should be very, very heavily emphasized on and should be, you know, thought about. And I have to say, like, I have to repent every week because I don't get to spend as much time with him and my relationship is faltering Mm. for sure, especially as... Um, the workload piles on, like even with like wedding stuff. And Mm. I can give excuse after excuse Mm. as to why the relationship is kind of faltering. But like Derek says, it's on me, Mm. right? How I'm viewing my current situation, how I'm viewing my current relationship with God, that's on me. And if I can invest so much in my personal relationship with Derek, what's holding me back from continuing that relationship with God, you know, that's Mm. really on me. Um, So, you know, again, we're growing together. <laughs> we, ha- we haven't figured everything out. We just have all these interesting experiences. But I can see just as a bystander seeing Derek going through what he did at UCLA. It's really amazing how much he's grown spiritually, how much he's learned, especially since he did come from a very um, small Adventist bubble, like you said, Shane. Um so it was it's wonderful to really see the fruits of that
2: and I think the other thing that really emphasized um, I guess just God to me in college was the things I was going through at that time, um, realizing my own imperfections, realizing um, just the struggle of life honestly and like yeah. <laughs> having to fall back and depend on God. Um, there were definitely times, like right before midterms, where I would just be like pouring out my heart to
0: God, be like, God, please, you know, <laughs> bless you're, me. You're rubbing the Bible. Yeah, rubbing the Bible. Just a yeah. B minus, please.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but also just realizing like my own imperfection and that you know I'm I'm not capable of being perfect. I'm not capable of being Jesus. You know, Jesus is the answer because i'm not the answer you know and so i think that was what made me really go to him heavily was was being in like rock bottom and understanding that um
0: i can't do this on my own i need to tell god and i need to tell other people Mm -hmm. and i think what's awesome about you sharing that i think it's it's super that's that's a topic that's very important for currently what's happening right with the whole pandemic. And, you know, you mentioned this in our first podcast about, you know, what is church, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, I've been, you know, I have a lot of pastor friends obviously, and, you know, people are noticing or people are realizing now that that the church is not the building. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this kind of shifted or this allowed people to really focus on, um, their relationship with Jesus, because if there's no building for them to go to, then then are they continuing to maintain that relationship with him, right? Are they just using the building as an excuse to to go to church, right? Or to experience uh, Jesus, to to have time with him, right? And I think, you know, this discussion we're having and and you sharing your story is important for maybe or especially for our young listeners, right? And maybe even for our older ones, too, right, to really look at, you know, what it, who is Jesus to them, right? Is Jesus just um, the person they hear pastor talk about every Saturday? Is it uh, someone that they know that actually cares about them? Like, who is Jesus to them, right? And yeah. I think that's super important for for you to, that, that you're sharing and that, that we can talk about um, because it is a very pivotal time, especially now, just because mm-hmm. we can't go to a building, right? It's it's definitely different for, um, you know, for a lot of our young people. So especially if they go into to college, right, I feel like they they might have a different view as to how you're going into college, right? Uh, This different side of who Jesus is to them. Yeah, Mm.
2: And I think the other thing I hope is that hearing me being able to talk about my struggles allows younger people to be able to talk about their struggles. Because I related a lot to um, the guy who wrote Hamilton, Lin-Manuel. He wrote (laughs) another musical before Hamilton called In the Heights. And there's this character in there who goes off to Stanford because they all live in, like, Washington Heights in New York, which is, like, I guess a lower income area. And she goes off to Stanford, um, but then kind of drops out and comes back. But she, like, doesn't tell anybody because she she's so ashamed. And I actually related to that a lot, even though, like, no one really put these expectations on me. Mm-hmm. I put these expectations on myself. Um, But Mm. it was hard for me to be able to share my struggles with people just because in my own head, I thought of myself as like a a good student, you know what I mean? And so it's hard. It was hard for me to be able to talk about those things. So I'm hoping that as other people hear this, it's easier for them to be able to talk about the things that they're struggling with.
1: On that vein, since we're talking about failure and normalizing, making mistakes and learning from them, can we kind of go around and share Um, a failure that we've experienced ourselves. Like, I mean, Derek already gave a great example of Mm. a failure in his life. Um, But I think it'd be nice for all of us to kind of vocalize these things, right? Um, Have conversations and notice the scars that we all carry Mm. because the moment that we start recognizing that people are flawed, I think that's where we can all learn and we can be accepting of everyone, mm. you know, mm. and you also learn like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Mm. No way. Mm. You know, cause mm. everyone has scars that they're carrying that they're just not showing. Mm. Right. So I feel like this would be just another great way to connect with our audience, connect with you guys. If we could just share a failure in our lives, mm. um, I can share mine. Um, this is, like, really small <laughs> compared to, like, Derek. So it's, like, the first one that came <laughs> to mind.
0: Oh, then you're w- not being vulnerable enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: It was the first one that came to mind. Okay. Um, I- I'll think of another one. Okay. Okay. If I think of a better one, like, a more substantial one, I'll go again. But immediately the first one that I thought of was, so in high school, I had this huge paper to work on. Like, huge and this was the turning point for me, like when I decided to become an educator, like huge. And I mean, like it was all of our second semester grade. It depended on like this paper and it was the biggest deal ever. And I had to turn in this huge draft to my teacher and I gave it to her and she looked it over and literally the day before it was due, she told me that I needed to start all over. Oof. And she was literally like, everything that you're telling me here, because this was a research paper, everything that you're telling me here has already been proven. Mm. What sort of argument are you making that's new? And I was like, oh, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> and I needed to have like eight pages done mm. by the next day. Mm. So literally I came home. And my sister can attest to how terrifying the situation was. Like I was, it came home crying my eyes uh-huh. out. And I immediately had to start looking for sources, like start typing as fast as I possibly could. And like I pulled an all-nighter. And at some point in the middle of the night, my work had not been saved. And like my computer had like crashed. Oh my gosh. It was like the biggest, like the most stressful point in my life Mm. at that point where it was like, oh my gosh, I have failed. Mm. And I bawled my eyes out. Oh, jeez. But silver lining. I changed my topic. Mm -hmm. I changed my topic to mindsets by Carol Dweck. Oh, and it was in pursuit of that topic that I was able to really be interested in education Mm -hmm. and all that. So it was again like a huge failure in that moment. Mm -hmm. But there was definitely a silver lining in that. And Mm -hmm. ever since then, how I'm viewing failure has changed mm. so that was mine if i think of another one i'll share but
0: <laughs> yeah i think for me for me i think i kind of mentioned it earlier when derek we were talking about failures right and for me uh it was definitely realizing that failing or being okay with failing or, or not being okay no being okay with failing right or not knowing that mm-hmm. wasn't was a was a failure mm. right the idea of being okay like uh and I, you know we talked about this earlier about how we for the most part growing up in high school you don't really experience failures right or for for us three we'll speak of right i, mean, I failed three, in high
1: school too oh yeah but, i didn't get straight a's okay.
0: okay for derek and i you know it's a, it was maybe it was a cake <laughs> okay okay, uh, okay. Uh, and so you know for me going into my first year of college there was a huge moment and i mentioned right i, I dropped a class mm-hmm. too and and for me that's something i've never experienced right because that's always uh in the that's always related to you know maybe dropping out of school or something you know going mm-hmm. into those very mm-hmm. dramatic thoughts and for me not realizing it's okay to fail was a huge failure because that took a toll on really that first year I was in college and I think it, but you know, in, in the end it does, it did help me and I'm sure there'll probably be a a Shane centric episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure I I don't want to definitely go into it. So, um, but definitely that's, that was one of my failures I can remember is just not knowing that it's okay to fail, you know? Um, but, I don't know, Derek. Did you want to share another? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like I feel like maybe you shouldn't share all your <laughs> eggs in Not one too basket, many. right? I'll save some for another episode. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, save some for another episode. But I guess um, you know, just continue to put the spotlight on you. I guess you know, we talked about you know, we talked about earlier our earliest memories of you, right? And you know, for me, always seeing you when I see you, I always see the the very awkward, <laughs> quiet chubby Derek, right and now you you are uh someone that is very outgoing you're you're you know you're before we got on lockdown you were the greeter you're one of our greeters at our church you were always you know like going to other people's tables during potluck talking to them and that's something i don't think i've ever would have thought of you doing uh you know growing up Mm -hmm. right and now you're you know you're the person who's Uh, who has a growing relationship with Jesus as opposed to just saying Jesus as a cop-out answer. (laughs) Um, You know, you're, you're very, uh, you know, involved in the church. And then apart from that, you're also um, getting into more activism, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You've been, you know, you and Rachel have been kind of the leaders in our, in, in that movement in our church or trying to make a Mm -hmm. movement in our church of, of being more active, being, or not being silent. Uh, when it comes to whether it's BLM or um, whether it's to uh, just injustice in general. And so where does that come from? Where did, where did that start happening? Was that something that just happened uh, because of what what currently started happening? Or has that something that's been uh, building up uh, since like college maybe or or even high school?
2: Yeah, I think that's something that's actually a lot newer. Because even in college, I wasn't very involved in or even super knowledgeable on things going on politically or even just in terms of current events um but i feel like it's definitely been helped by how many people are speaking out on social media like Mm -hmm. i feel like the memes definitely help like (laughs) as ridiculous as some memes are some of the memes that are just calling out like asian people and you know telling us to stand up because I think me in general, I don't really post a lot on social media. I don't really mm-hmm. do things like that. Um, but seeing people saying that like your silence is, is what is silence? Silence is violence or silence <laughs> yeah. is like not saying anything is just as bad as mm-hmm. being racist. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of those things resonated with me and made me think like, yeah, like I can't just sit on the side and not doing it, do anything because that's really just not helpful, you yeah. know? Um, but for me, I, I want to think more about what is, how do I help? And for me, I feel like my platform on social media isn't really huge. So I'm like, what can I do that would be more impactful than posting mm-hmm. another meme? And so for me, that would be more doing things in church where I'm a leader, you know, and trying to figure out how to um, inspire change or motivate other people in the church to be as um, politically active or more aware of these topics Um, because admittedly I feel like the first picture I saw of George Floyd I was like oh man another one man that sucks and Mm -hmm. then I scrolled down and I saw the picture again I was like oh man and I scrolled again and I saw it like a third time I'm like oh my gosh like what what happened and then Mm -hmm. I went and I like watched the whole video you know so I feel like part of it is definitely the fact that everyone in general has been so outspoken that it's also motivated me someone who wouldn't normally be so outspoken to to speak up about these things
1: yeah and I think also at this time in our lives we've been spending a lot of time like reflecting on who we are what sort of privileges that we have we grew up with you know um and being Asian American we do have certain you know privileges that we grew up with Mm -hmm. um and depending on what neighborhood you live in depending on what social economic status you are there's a lot of different privileges that come with that and I think we were having those types of conversations like on and off Mm -hmm. just throughout the year and I think it was a culmination of maybe that type of rhetoric and all of these things that were happening where we were like oh my gosh like I think I have it bad but this is nowhere near you know, what people of color are going through, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of educators who are, um, you know, st- studying to become educators and all that kind of stuff, we are educated in these topics. We're mm-hmm. learning about them, and the social sciences are really big for us. Mm-hmm. And the idea that teachers do see color is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're trying to emphasize that a lot. But again, it's because we're heavily invested in this field of interest that we were able to recognize the racism and the oppression, even in the education system itself. You know, but people who are not in that niche aren't going to be aware of it. Mm. Like Derek wouldn't be aware of certain things in the field of education had it not been for me Mm. talking about it. You know, or like he was in the first episode, so I am like, what is social emotional means? <laughs> like he wouldn't have even thought of anything like that had I not talked about it, you know, because it's so in my own bubble. Um, So social media is such a good place to kind of have that conversation with people and like throw ideas out there in some visual form. Because let's be honest, the majority of learners out there are visual learners, mm. right, to like oh my gosh I've never seen it from that perspective Mm. or I've never thought of it in that way yeah so I feel like that was really big
2: and I think another thing that we've talked about at length is definitely Sabbath school but I feel like it's forced us to talk about things that we weren't aware of like we talked about the death penalty for a couple weeks and I just had nothing to say because I'm like I am not aware of these issues but I think it just highlighted the fact that There are certain things that we should be um, invested in or that we should have an opinion on as Christians.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we keep coming back to this idea of, like, being too political, Mm -hmm. right? And if there's anything that I learned in my introduction to political science class, (laughs) it's everything is political. Mm -hmm. Everything. You care about where you live? That's political. You care about the type of education that you're going to get or that your children or your family is going to get. That's political. You care about the food that's coming on to your table. That is political, mm. right? Everything is a political issue down to the like the nitty gritties of your life, the decisions that you're making every day. So that's something that I really took away from that. Um, everything else, I don't remember as much, but that really resonated with me. Mm. Um, so I feel like, again changed my mind it really made us think about our lives and as christians what sort of bubble we may be living in that may be hindering us from being like true neighbors to our communities good plug yeah
0: (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully those that Sabbath school uh, increases in numbers or else you guys are just wasting your time. right? <laughs> <now>. I <know. laughs> um, but I guess I think that's and I think that's huge. Right. Uh, just having that conversation. Right. Because you guys said uh, if you didn't have that Sab school, maybe you wouldn't be having these type of conversations. And I think that's important. And hopefully uh, people that are listening, they can. Uh, have those conversations whether it's with uh, friends maybe it's family maybe it's uh if you have, if you're if you're a parent listening you can have that with your kids because that's very important that's something that like you say that in our relatively all similar christian bubbles that's maybe a conversation we don't typically have right yeah. and i think it is important to have those conversations because if we don't then we're not we're not growing we're not uh yeah. maybe we're just trying to hide ourselves from the realities right yeah. and i think we could do that at 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 a certain extent, but then there's gonna come a time where you're gonna have to face it at face value, I guess. Yeah. Um and so, you know, there's a question I guess one I want to ask both of you since you guys are both um have been on the on the forefront, the voices of our church for
2: uh
0: hot minute. (laughs) For a hot minute, right? And so what is what is one I guess maybe advice or or lesson you can give in in um, just being what, whether it's be- better listeners or uh, advice or anything to help us grow in this um, time where maybe we feel like um, you know we feel like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be getting into it or uh, yeah, so if that's something you guys can answer, maybe we go with Rachel first and then and then uh, and then Derek can answer. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, as soon as you said that, I thought of empathy. And I feel like the word empathy, learning to empathize with other has been really big in this movement. Um, and I think it's still a concept that people are having a hard time understanding and putting that into practice, right? Empathy being you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I feel like a lot of the American culture is very like egocentric, very all about me how I'm feeling, how I want to be perceived, how I want to do certain things. And when it comes to relationships and communication, it's a two-way street, right? And knowing how to empathize with someone is such an important skill that is not emphasized in schools, right? And I'm going to speak on behalf of the education system because that's my specialty, but in schools, that's really not talked about, right? We're we. It's just kind of a blanket statement where it's like, oh, well, you have to be friends with everyone. Like, your classmates are your friends. That's not true. I'm not friends with all of my classmates. Just because we're in the same class doesn't mean that we're all friends, right? But this notion that, like, we're kind of forced to be together and you have to, like, force relationship positive relationship with everyone it's like that's not the best way to practice empathy empathy is talking about if something were to happen to me like oh yeah that sucks I feel really sad about it but how about if I were to see this from the other person's shoes like if someone were to hurt me right let's look at it from their perspective were they hurt by something? Two, were they hurt by something that I had said that I had not recognized, right? And if that's the case, maybe I should listen to them and hear what they have to say. And one of the biggest takeaways from my studies is really emphasizing how other people are feeling and how other people are validating themselves and their existence. So like Derek will always kind of like mock me <laughs> for the way I talk to my, my kids, because I'll always say like, I see you and I hear you constantly. And Derek makes fun of me for that. But that's so true. And like when someone is speaking, sometimes all it takes is I see you and I hear you. Right, And that act in itself is like you're trying to empathize with that person. You're trying to understand what they're going through. Even if you can't understand fully, you understand that there is something that is going on in that person's life. right? And then you want to be there for them and you want to be supportive of that. right? So empathy first. Always empathy, empathy. And if you don't know how to do that or you don't even know where to start, I would say just take a moment for yourself have like five minutes of quiet for yourself and just think about the conversations that you have um, with people that day, right? And then if you think about people as just like individuals with really unique life experiences and have wonderful stories to tell and you try to see them in a more positive light, you're gonna see them as like a sentient being (laughs) And then you're going to realize, like, oh, my gosh, there are people with feelings outside of my world and how I'm feeling. And then a l- little by little, you might see yourself kind of bleeding that empathy and kind of wanting to hear more for them and your heart breaking a little bit more for them. So I feel like that's just a good place to start.
2: That was amazing.
0: That was uh- a <laughs> I said i think i asked for like a little answer but you gave me like a thesis i feel like oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing to add. i just got as soon as yeah. you
1: said advice i was like empathy
2: hey, empathy yeah. and that's just my life there you go. I feel like totally go with that. I don't want to add anything to that. That was Whoa. so I
0: think you do have to add something. Oh, you are
1: you are your own person. I don't know what I could I possibly... I see you and I hear oh, you. Oh my
2: gosh.
0: You literally can't piggyback off off of that <laughs> <laughs> at all. Well, I mean you can piggyback off of that, but
2: Um Let's see. Wow, I I honestly feel like you said everything. You know? I don't know what else I could possibly say. I guess um Hmm. For me, I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is to be able to have conversations that you're uncomfortable with and mm-hmm. being able to talk about things that you don't know anything about. Yeah. And I guess that's been the biggest thing for me because I am just not very informed on a lot of these issues. And I feel like normally as a result of that, I would stray away from these conversations and I wouldn't want to have these conversations because it's like, oh, that's something that I'm just not very versed in, or I don't, Mm -hmm. I haven't really been exposed to that. But I feel like that's an even bigger reason to get involved in the conversation. Um, And the other thing is um, not being afraid to be wrong. We're kind of talking about not being afraid of failure, but I feel like the only way that we can grow as people and as a society is if we um, speak our true feelings and our true minds. And if we're wrong, someone needs to come out and correct us. And that's how we're going to... correct ourselves and Mm -hmm. keep moving forward yeah and so i feel like that's why platforms like this and platforms like our sabbath school are important for us to have safe spaces of discussion um and i hope that's what our church can be and not a place where we cancel each other or we you know talk bad about what someone else was saying like oh do you hear what he said is he like that political view or something like i feel like we need to be able to speak about these things honestly and be vulnerable Um, And that's the only way that we're really going to truly grow.
1: Yeah. But I feel like it's hard for people to be vulnerable. Like, I know that for me, my life is kind of an open book. For those Mm -hmm. of you that know me, um, I really don't shy away from a lot of touchy feeling, you know, conversations. I will tell you everything that has happened in my life (laughs) with no (laughs) shame, no, you know, negative feelings toward it and i own my life i own my experiences and i own it and i know that that's not the case for a lot of people Mm. um and i feel like this kind of goes off of what james wilson was saying in his podcast episode where he knows his own self-worth um instilled by his parents right um and i feel like our spiritual lives also plays a big role in that this is something that I have been thinking about in terms of like why am I so okay talking about everything that had gone wrong in my life why am I so okay with you know just being completely bare and you know not bare and just like laying it bare for everyone and being so okay with it and being so vulnerable and I think a lot of it was because. I know that in the end, it doesn't matter, (laughs) you know, like God knows me and I am a beautiful child of God that no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what failures I have or how other people may perceive me, ultimately what matters is my relationship with God and how God views me. And God views me as someone who is perfect in her own way, you know? So I feel like when we're talking about vulnerability, we really have to be mindful of that because not everyone will be vulnerable right away Mm. right Um, especially in the church again we like to put up this front of everything's okay Mm. we try to pass as everything is fine I'm trying to show everyone my best face the best version of my life because I don't want to show everyone what's actually happening beneath the mask Mm. because I'm ashamed And I think we need to be mindful of how we can approach those conversations, like as important as they are, like, how can we approach it? Mm. You know? And I feel like that spiritual aspect of being like, Hey, like you guys, like we're not here to judge you. Mm. We're not here to judge you. We are all uniquely made and we're all so perfect in the eyes of our God that we don't have to worry about these pretenses and these facades. Like, you don't have to worry about that. And I I think that needs to be a huge cultural shift. And I don't know how that could happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lickety split. Um, (laughs) It's not going to happen, right? But I just feel like that's something that we need to be mindful of when trying to have vulnerable conversations.
0: Yeah, and I think speaking on vulnerability, or I guess taking those steps and being vulnerable, I know for Derek, you know, when we first talked about starting this podcast, Derek was very Hmm. outspoken about not being a part of it. Very hesitant. Because he, yeah, very hesitant just because he felt like, I don't think I have enough to say. And, And every episode, I think you see the growth of Derek. And I think you were mentioning earlier about, you know it's it's for you it's not you're not super comfortable being this vulnerable like mm-hmm. or to share with people kind of your struggles and uh for those who can't see we actually video chat when we record these things and Derek was sweating he was <laughs> <the> First <laughs> podcast, sweating. you gotta do me like, like that, that. <laughs> Derek, Derek was yeah he was grabbing tissue and he was wiping it um and so I guess maybe Derek you can answer this question that Rachel brought up um to yourself and you maybe you can answer this as we end uh, we'll end on you since this is the Derek episode. Um, how do you how do how do you deal with vulnerability? Because for you, like you said, this is something that is uncomfortable for you, and and you are starting to get more comfortable with it. So, is there, I guess, a short, brief, um, you know, answer to that, or, or how you're starting to become more open to sharing?
2: Well, I definitely don't think there's a brief answer. to Yeah. That. <laughs> um, I think it's a long conversation, but. I think I guess one thing I didn't touch on earlier was kind of um, how I feel like I recovered from my failure. Um, I've always been really into like personal development books or self-help books and all these. I've always watched these different YouTube channels about like how to you know study like a med student or how to be more efficient with your time. And I think I watched a lot of these throughout college, but none of them really helped me. And it wasn't until I realized that I wanted to better myself, not because I feel like I'm a terrible person, or because I don't like who I am. Um, I think my life really started to change when I realized that I wanted to better myself because I love myself. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me to realize. um, But I think that again, connects to our, our previous conversation where I realized I need to love myself because God because God loves me. Yes. And even though I felt like in college I didn't love who I was as a person, God still loved me throughout all of that. And as a result, I should love myself and I need to mm. love myself. And so after that, like a lot of these self-help books became way more impactful because it wasn't like, "How do I change myself into someone that I like?" It was like, "I want to I want to do this thing for me because mm-hmm. I want to better myself." For me, you know what I mean? And so I think that's why now it's easier to be vulnerable because I do love myself and I know that if I am vulnerable with other people and let's say they completely crush me and judge me, they're like, what? What's wrong with you? What happened? (laughs) I'm like, you know what? It don't matter. I'm on my own journey. Mm -hmm. I'm here with God. God loves me. I Mm -hmm. love myself and I'm going to do what it takes to get better. And that i guess that gives me confidence to be more vulnerable to share my story with other people yeah
0: that's awesome and i think yeah you hit on it about just self love and i think that's what a lot of young people struggle with i'm sure a lot of oh, older yeah. people struggle with that is this idea of self love and i think until you love yourself then um mm-hmm. then you know a lot of things just can't happen right um, yeah. but i guess also acknowledging that there is someone else that does love you regardless of your imperfections and that's jesus um uh, but thank you so much derek for uh really opening up i know i know it was probably stressful or it very. was it was very uh yeah you were you were just sweating so, you know you know derek sweats but derek was sweating like <laughs> except he was uh inter- he was being interrogated <laughs> for for something um but we really do appreciate derek thank you for opening up i'm sure a lot of those who are listening really do appreciate I hopefully they got to know you a little better um just from your experiences uh your growth of of the person you're becoming um and and especially your relationship with jesus but thank you guys so much really again for taking your time to uh Uh, and hopefully you also get to learn and grow from from these episodes, and that's just all that we hope for. That's all that we pray for, um, that you can uh, you know just have this time to to hear other people's experiences, have conversations with other people, and and most importantly, grow uh, grow with it. Uh, but thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. Don't forget to continue to follow our uh, podcast Niche on Niche. We are available on all platforms, all the popular platforms. Uh, we're finally moving up in life um but thank you so much we really do appreciate it um depending on when you listen to this we hope you have a good weekend a good week or a good day uh but yeah thank you so much uh and we'll see you guys or we'll talk to you guys on the next one